Drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. Hello, welcome to Drive-by Cinema, episode 43. And 20 episodes on or so, it's time for our second clip show. Here's some outtakes and clips from previous episodes, which we thought were too dangerous, upsetting or offensive at the time. Enjoy. I am wearing a Nordic jumper. You can't you oh, can't yeah, you can't see you topic. can't see that on obviously on a podcast, but I am I am in in celebration of the fact that this it's okay. This is you know, Paul will describe it for our listeners. <laughs> it's pearl on, pearl off, pearl on, pearl off. <laughs> seventeen, eighteen, twenty-two, seventeen. But not purloined. It's uh, well, it's very geometric. <laughs> Banana plants, Paul, actually do walk. Wow. No. Yep. How? And you might argue if you've got a plant that can walk and has hands, then it's not really a plant anymore, is it? <laughs> do you mean, by banana plant, do you mean monkeys? <laughs> no, I mean a banana plant. Oh, okay. The plant that bananas grow on. Banana plants don't walk. They do walk. They do walk. They, they move. If you plant them, they will have... Sort of migrated over a period of time. <laughs> Permission to digress. What to what? To what find they, water. Is that like, to find water. Is, oh, is that like sunflowers all turn to face the sun? So these, these plants will, will move to find a water source. They just wander around, yeah. Permission to they digress. Have, what, they, have, they have a bimble. They just kind of... Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Can I, can I digress I very, very, very strongly here? I mean... Uh, you usually do. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I was uh, I was tasked with uh, finding the ground to build an international school in China uh, by my boss. I found a really cheap banana plantation outside of the city. So why do you know that the banana plants? Work? Well, we'll sl- slow down. So I said, it's you know, there's a mangrove swamp there uh, with banana plantation around it. It's really cheap. I think it, we could buy the the land for or rent the land for thirty. For thirty pence a square meter per year or something, it was really cheap. Uh, and he said, "Yeah, that's a good idea." So two things happened on the banana plantation. We were clearing the banana trees, and one of our foreign teachers broke his leg. So I don't know if that's to do with bananas moving and banana plants moving and leaving the holes where the roots used to be. Is that what you're suggesting, Richard? Do they move that quickly to leave holes in the ground? Honestly, don't know. I've never experienced or witnessed it. The other thing was, I mean, it was next to the city rubbish dump, which we didn't know when we rented the land. That's part of the reason why it was so cheap. And in the summer, you get these huge swarms, just gigantic swarms of houseflies coming over the mountain where the rubbish dump was hidden and just swarming through the classrooms. You literally have kids covered in thousands of flies. But beyond that, uh, from the swamp, we cleared the swamp and built a swimming pool there. Uh, there was a some sort of insect there that would give you horribly infectious bites. And what what we didn't realise was that it was a bacterial infection of some sort. I don't know what insect it was. It bit, but it gave you a bacterial infection. People would scratch it and then scratch other parts of their body and it would just grow. And of course, their genitals just became horribly inflamed, you know. So we had like, we had like all the, t- the 25 teachers all sort of walking around like, like they'd just got on, ridden, ridden the win at the Grand National for, for four weeks. But yeah, so banana plantations. Don't go near them. Dangerous, I think. 
can I ask you a can I ask a follow up question yes, to please. one of the things you mentioned? You started one of the first things you talked about in in that was the uh, the the food parcel no no the the pre packaged food yeah. delivery service. Did you go for one of those? HelloFresh. No, you didn't. No, do we it. didn't. Oh, Paul, you did. Did you? No, I would never do that kind of thing. Oh well, never. See, I know well, how to make pancakes myself. <laughs> Uh, I, we in our household we're signed Why would up you with, want to? We're signed up with a, well, one of those services, and I tell you, it is a good thing. Is We've it? saved an awful lot of money, yeah, because we don't overspend on food shopping now, because we know that we've got everything we need. Oh, it's exactly enough for one meal, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and you still have to cook it yourself. It's not, you know, it's, it's you, what you get is the ingredients and the recipes. That, that's what that's kind of it, price is it? Is it like five pounds per meal, kind of thing? No, I think it's about thirty. Four pounds for a week, and that Ten gets meals. you four or five meals, oh, I think. Okay. Seven pounds a meal. That sounds like a lot, but it it means it it does. Feed um, how many? It works out really well. Uh, it just it, less wastage. Presumably. Exactly. Far, it, well, there's nothing. There's no wastage. It feeds how you, many people? Got exactly Three right. or four. That's just the two of us. That's just my wife and I. Okay. Um, it, it, it's not the sort of food that my children would like, right. really. But it's really good. <laughs> it's it's great stuff. Uh, I tend I tend to like kids' food, so. That would be a problem. We can have that too. I think I Paul does too, come to think of it, looking at his pictures. What's your favourite? Which we haven't shared with you, have we, Alistair? We'll have to do that sometime. <laughs> What's your favourite kid's food? Paul? I'm just starting to silence from momentarily. But no, I'll tell you something. Yeah, perhaps I do like kid's food because last night you'd be glad to know, continuing on a theme of food here, I discovered that the Breville Toaster makes the most amazing triangular pancakes. Yes, it does. That's true. <laughs> oh, and if you time it right, it's there's a little bit of goo, a little bit of cake mix left inside. Incredible. Yeah. I don't like pancakes, oh, though. Okay. Oh, I mean, I, that's, 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 that's unfortunate. I mean, I don't dislike them, but there's nothing <laughs> to like about them. They're just bland, isn't true. it? It's just food. It's well, matter. So what's your favourite food then, Richard? Oh, I don't know. I like a good burger. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. It's true. I like a good burger. I like a good burger. I'm not going to disagree with you. Pasta and pe- and green pesto is my favourite food. Do you like uh, Robinson squash with pubic hair and magic mushrooms? Ah, uh, you're coming on to today's I film. I'm coming on to today's <laughs> film, yeah, yeah. But prematurely, as so often is the case, because we have to cover off any corrections and omissions. Okay. Oh, I was also going to say uh, hogweed. You mentioned giant hogweed as well. Yes. yes. I was going to say, you asked, you asked, I think, was it you, Rick, asked Paul if he'd seen any giant hogweed? I'd only seen hogweed, not yeah. giant hogweed. I have seen giant hogweed. Ah, oh, did you report it? Well, it was already reported. There's some, um, oh. uh, it was on a walk near Silverdale, which is not far from where I live here in uh, the north, the northern wastes of Lancashire. Um, and there's a big, oh, I saw this really strange looking plant um, stuff. It was a bit triffidy. And I was walking towards it, and a friend of mine who who lived near there. Yeah, so if it's triffidy, go near there. If it's triffidy, maybe yeah, yeah. it was walking it's towards you, clacking. Yeah, making a clacking noise. No, and and yeah, my friend said just said don't go and don't go any further near there. And then I saw there was a sign that said giant hogweed reported. Please do not approach. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know anything about it. Why it, can't it was... you approach giant hogweed? Is it literally like a triffid? Will it come at you? Well, it, it it does bad things to you, doesn't it? It's like, I think you like you were saying, it can it's got really nasty, stingy um, effects on you, like really nasty. I didn't it's almost know like that. getting stung by a jellyfish. I think it's really bad. Whoa. It's it's yeah, invasive. I think it, I think yeah. it can leave permanent scars. Yeah, it's, I it's think it is an invasive oh. species. Yeah, yeah. So there and you go. There you go. I've I've seen giant hogweed. Is it particularly giant? 
It's pretty big. It's a bit like it's a bit like sort of somewhere between small and big rhubarb. It's, it's like that. Do you know Genesis, the band Genesis in the Peter Gabriel era? They have a it's, it's early seventies. They have a song called "Return of the Giant Hogweed," which is about this very same thing. I think they were worried it was a it was a pre-apocalyptic song. Can I just have one more bite of my crisp butty? Sorry. Oh my god. Is it on wholemeal or white bread? It's on a baguette, obviously. What's funny about that? There's nothing funny about That's that. That's like clearly. double, double well, crunchy you though, yourself that? laughing then? Now listen. Yeah, because anyway, anyway, Richard, Richard's trying to corral us back into the sheep pen. Yeah, yeah. Free speech, Richard. Oh, no, we will not be contained. I was just listening to an Adam Curtis thing. As I was telling Rick the other day, I was listening to an Adam Curtis thing, and he was saying that <laughs> the technocratic utopianists that that try to uh, manage left wing liberals now is it's trying to what did he say? It's try it's like trying to herd a bunch of individualistic piglets. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm done. Did Alice just call me an individual, individual, individualistic pig? No. <laughs> You're very sensitive to being called a pig, aren't you, Paul? I, I am, yeah. Did you get called that a lot? I thought my piglet. Sure. Piglet's kind of cuter than pig. I see. Yeah. It wasn't being, it was like, well, being called pig, it was being called pig. It was the way you call me, Richard. <laughs> No, I mean, what's good to be located in time. What did, I, I, I did. I was thinking about this before. But I thought, well, maybe we should talk about this stuff on, on the podcast. And you know, do, do we do we not think that banning somebody from Twitter is perhaps a retrograde move? I'm not sure what it what it's going to achieve, really. Um, it, it, I think Jack Dorsey's right to wonder about the wisdom of it because it does open, it does pave the way. Well, it's a precedent a, about a precedent. <laughs> it, well, it starts off the the road to censorship, doesn't it? Saying, well, we don't like your views anymore, so we're just going to ban you. Well, you, you can't do that. Well, we did it for Donald Trump, so we have to do it for you. Mm. And it's about how tolerant worrying, does a tolerant it, really? society have yeah, to be. Yeah, but Donald Trump was properly crazy and he was literally inciting violence. A line has to be drawn somewhere. Even if you have an ideological yeah. adherence to free speech, well, at some point it becomes. Oh sure, sure. I'm not. I, I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not articulating for infinite or you know fundamental free speech or anything like that. I mean, there have to be there have to be practical considerations here. But I mean, at the same time, do we really want multinational corporations to be deciding what we kind of kind of say? No, no, we don't. But when you've got a loony like Trump. Who seemingly his only outlet is Twitter, you know, activating his support base through Twitter and Twitter alone. Then, yeah, switching that off seems sensible. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I was, I was just playing devil's advocate. My opinion is that it, it, it is good to boot him off because it's going to have hurt him a bit as well. I think. I think he's probably smarting from that somewhat because no doubt he's been good for Twitter as well. There's a business consideration, but I think this is the thing: freedom of speech does come with. There are consequences to the things you say. Yes, quite. Well, tr- Trump is a responsibility black hole, right? He's done things and said things without any consequences yeah. for four years. So, yeah, yeah. eventually 
You reap what you sow. He only started telling his supporters to calm down on this when it was apparent that they weren't going to win anything. Yeah. Really, you know, he's given really very, I think, incredibly insincere, cynical sorts of, oh, that's terrible. I'm not. I'm. I'm anti-violence. Don't do any of this. Don't do any of this. When only when it became apparent that there might be legal action taken against him, that did he step up and say, right, I'm going to do this. If it, if he really meant it, he would have um, he would have said it immediately. You know, no, I I I think it's um I think it's right that he should be banned. I did say something oh, I can't remember who the quote's from now, but it was about how how tolerant should a tolerant society be regarding intolerance? And there comes a line where if if you are if if you encounter intolerance, then you have to not tolerate intolerance. It's a liberal paradox. Yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the Dunning-Kruger effect, doesn't it? That the less intelligent and competent that you are, the more confident you are of your abilities. Whereas people who are more intelligent and sensitive and aware of themselves are generally less confident of their abilities. We've got to be careful about the Dunning-Kruger effect. I think it's quite... You, we need to narrowly define it. The curve is weird on it. Anyway, isn't yeah. it? I think at some point when you get beyond expert, you know, once, once, once you've had your doctorate and you've been a sitting professor for 10 years, it kind of... The confidence does finally go up again, doesn't it? Hopefully. Yeah, but... It's like getting to the age 52, you know, like after, after you're 49, 50, 51, uh, somehow life, even though it's not getting better, does get better. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? But it should be it should be th- thought of in terms of expertise in particular fields, most especially. So, I mean, I think it's dangerous to talk about it in general terms. Um, but you... you Donald Trump is an example of that because he had no political experience prior to becoming president of, you know, the most powerful country in the world. So, yeah, yeah he had absolutely no idea what he was getting into. And he but no, just to support that. to support Alice, what he's saying, I, Dunning, not the DK theory itself, but they they have done corollary studies whereby problematic, but IQ, you know, aptitude, attainment prior attempt what what is IQ but you know they have some generalized IQ scores and then they look at how these people approach a new topic that none of them are uh, particularly experienced uh, toward and it it does there is a coro- there is a correlation between this global IQ measure whether or not it's valid and the confidence expressed towards the new task and the outcome of doing it, the success, and typically they do find that people with this lower global IQ score, whatever that means, let's not get into that unpack it, uh, they tend to be overconfident, and the results aren't as good as what they expected. So it's not the it's not the DK theory itself, but it's slightly related, I think. There weren't many gags in Seinfeld, were there? Really, if you think about it. Well, this is it. I don't. I don't remember it very clearly, and I didn't. I mean, I've watched a couple, maybe, but I'm just not an expert on it. Did you like the stuff that Bruce Willis was in at the same time? Moonlighting. Yeah. I mean, I saw Moonlighting. I mean, it was quite groundbreaking bit of television. I think Moonlighting. What? Because he dared to be bald. <laughs> More because they were very experimental with the format of the show. You know, and they would do weird things. You mean it wasn't scripted well? (laughs) 
I take it you weren't a fan of Moonlighting. Well, no, I didn't get Moonlighting either, but I thought that, you know, late 80s, Frasier, 30-something, Moonlighting, uh, Seinfeld. There wasn't a big invasion of American stuff, but I, I, I think it was the only stuff that was seminal and with the zeitgeist. I don't think any Britain was doing very much at the time, were they? What about Friends? Friends was a bit later, wasn't it? 92 or 93. Sure, later. Uh, Seinfeld was still running at that point. But I was saying, you know, late 80s all that time. I I think there wasn't much on a UK TV. So the reason I might not have liked all this, it was just, it was all too American and it was all too much. Like, it it, it all had the same flavour. Like, it it was there as an import car. Not as a car you'd use every day, kind of thing, and so there's a, there's a novelty about it, but not as it's necessarily an intrinsic liking of this stuff. Beyond it, we had the young ones things. around that time, didn't we? Yeah, young earlier, I think eighty three, eighty four. Huh. Like there wasn't much going on like, all over TV. You think about it; it's all American. Uh, Wonder Years, the same time for younger kids, Channel Four kind of thing. I don't know really. It's a long way to look back, but I don't know, Richard. If if they had brain transplants, Paul, would you would you go for one? No. Oh. <laughs> You're perfectly happy, are you? As you no, are. I, I wouldn't. I would. Well, I call it a brain transplant, but it's not a brain transplant, isn't it? You can't transplant, transplant your brain. It's a body transplant. Oh, you would, would I find tr- yourself um, in another. You said body would brain. I would I have somebody else's cleverer brain put into me? No, because then I wouldn't be me, would I? Exactly. That's what would I'm I saying. Would I have somebody's? I, mean, so I can't really change my brain. It, I don't think so, Paul. I so mean, it's only my body I can change. We have to conclude that. So what's the condition? Let's face it, you're a sporty guy. I'm not at all. <laughs> but I do keep, I do keep fit. Me. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's different. That's not, I'm not naturally sporty. But you're saying, like, what would be the trade-off be true? Like, I can Could keep all my brain but have a new body? What's the devil's bargain here, Richard? Uh, well, I would assume, I thought that you would have wanted a new brain. But it seems like you're more interested in a new body, so... Well, we just decided you can't have a new brain without me not being me. Well, maybe that's not a big deal. I mean, mean, would it bother us? You don't believe consciousness exists, do you? I forgot. Do you believe... Well, where is consciousness, then? But if it doesn't exist, why are we having this argument? (laughs) Why why is anything happening? (laughs) Who cares? But at that point, you know, why just just kill everything? We're just philosophical robots, zombies. What... Well, potentially, yeah, but, I mean, how does that relate to my experience? Well, only in the sense that I'm conscious of it, yeah? So you're saying I could get a bigger, better brain, but I wouldn't be me, and what's the problem with that? Well, nothing, but I wouldn't be me, so... You won't know about it. Your brain would have been disposed of humanely in a macerator, wouldn't it? So you wouldn't know I think it's called Bacardi and Coke, isn't it? (laughs) But... I mean, so, so, so I think it's out. So the only thing is, would it, I mean, the trade off is I can have a new body and keep my brain. Okay, yeah. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd definitely go for the new body. Thank you very much. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, without a doubt. Okay. But what kind of body would you want? Obviously, you don't want Chris's body because you don't like his forehead. <laughs> no, why? Well, I, I didn't really notice that forehead in Black Mirror, to be honest. Oh, there was one more thing that happened at the garden party is a lady came up to, to, to the female protagonist and said, you know, is it true? Is it much better? And then started groping Chris's biceps. Mm. 
So I think there is an intimation that Chris does have a really nice body underneath. We never really see them naked, do we? But she gives, after her grope, she gives an appraising look, saying, you know, these are nice biceps kind of thing. So. He also meets the so Chris's dealer. The Why are you offering art. me? Are we bidding now, Richard? <laughs> sure, use your uh, use your GameStop winnings to buy a new body. Why not? So yeah, the blind, the blind, the blind art dealer also speaks to Chris during the garden party, and it transpires he's won the auction because he wants really he wants fresh eyes, doesn't he? So he can yeah. look at his works of art, which I thought was sort of moving, really. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why? I mean, if you think about it, like, if only, if only you know, ten percent of us can ever enjoy life, and ninety percent of us are doomed to have a miserable time anyway. But by making the ninety percent even more miserable, if ten percent of us can can really enjoy life because of that, I mean, why not have this class basis? Hmm. John Stuart Mill would probably be. Turning in his grave as Paul justifies brain transplants. But I, I, I have no problem with the class, uh, the class structure. It, it, it's just the racistness of the class structure, isn't it? Oh, good. Okay. Provided we pick lots, provided you know it's like a lottery for which class you're going to, does it really matter? Then it's equitable. Yeah, true. Well, you've convinced me. When do we start? I mean, you're assuming. You're looking at act or utilitarianism here. Is that your perspective here? That the additive, an additive nature to happiness and sadness. But I don't think it is, is it? I don't think you could say one happiness minus two sadnesses is minus one. <laughs> no, probably not. I think happiness is much. It's, it's, it sums much more strongly than sadness does. And so, if we can have ten percent of the people very, very happy, then it's worth everybody else's suffering, isn't it? This is an uplifting conversation, yeah. Having lived abroad in a culture that's more racist, no, no. But, well, I mean, this—it's difficult, isn't it? You know, at what point? At what point do we say because of the humiliation of the Weimar Republic, was Hitler right to stand up to? Western bullies. Well, never really. You know, that's that's a ridiculous thank thing. <laughs> thank God we say that. <laughs> yeah, but but at the same time, you know, at what point do we say because black people have been shot by police that it's okay to riot? Well, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence on that one. But you know, at what point do we say you know because Japanese doctors melted the faces and bodies of you know 150 thousand Chinese people and raped? The grandmas that live in China. At what point does that allow modern day Chinese people not to create a third right, but to say racist things about Japanese people? I don't. I'm, I'm pretty much on the side of Japan. I'm on the side of Chinese people for this. You know, I think that's an historical experience that confirms that they were treated in a racist way, and so for them to hold those opinions to the modern day about Japanese people, I think is understandable, is it not? Well. They're not. They're not proposing to rise up against you know the creator of the Weimar Republic and and kill all the Japanese people, for instance, are they? In terms of proportions and proportionality, I think we can understand the attitude of some East Asian populations towards Western and Japanese people. You know, so even today in Vietnam, spending time in Vietnam, like you could, I think you can understand why they view Americans the way they do. Or some of them do. Did they mistake you for an American? 
at times, yeah. So, you know, having lived in those kind of cultures, and it's not, it's by no means a majority of people there. But it's not like the minority of people here who are, it's not as small as the minority of people here who, who are violently and openly racist, you know, as you might be in the UK, which is a very small minority. It's, you know, it's maybe like, it's the older generation, it's maybe one in 10 or two in 10 people. But oh. You get these quite straightforward uh, judgments about you simply because of what you look, what you look like, and where you're from. But in their defence, it's a lot of it is more politically oriented about the historical experience of their country in relation to the country that they think you're from. You see, so I've been in those circumstances, lived in those circumstances. I do find that otherizing, rather than objectifying, is the problem. Yeah. Like, being told, I'm trying to think what I was being told. Like you always get this thing where you're told who you are by people that don't really know you. You see, yes, yeah. that's, that's the otherizing element. You see, it's, it's the fact yeah. that they decided what you are. Yeah, like uh, what was it? Oh, well, like I think it was whether I was going to be able to use computers and do mathematics for a job role. I was going to get promoted, and it was it was basically about my ethnicity and the fact you know white people can't do mathematics or computing kind of thing. And it wasn't the choice. It wasn't the fact they made the choice that I wasn't going to be good enough for the role. It was the fact that they just decided without me being involved in it. You know, it's just otherizing. It is. <laughs> it's so debilitating. So I thought the film captured that quite well. I wish I'd had time to set up because I've got a studio set up next door in my new bedroom. Right. Yeah. Oh. With my studio lights, my green screen. So you said you, lots of space. So although you've got it all set up, you can't record in it. Well, no, because because the power cut just happened for three hours. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, okay. Like some kind of. So I didn't watch the movie. Sense. So I didn't set up. Does that make sense? It does. It does make some kind of sense. Yeah. I, I stepped out of the shower four times, so I then had to mop up my bathroom floor. Because I kind of st- were you I, leaping I, well, out I was of the scared of the You were, but it scared. went completely black. <laughs> no, it went completely dark pitch black in the shower. <laughs> potentially, somebody could have come in the house and just cut the power. You see, do you know what I'm saying? So I, the first time I did check that somebody wasn't there, and luckily I'd just been for a run and I had my little uh, miner's flashlight on. So <laughs> in the shower, although why? <laughs> Well, no, because I had taken my running clothes off, and so that was there, and my phone torch was there. For, I could therefore turn that on and find my phone and turn my phone torch on. So then I kept those on for the second shower, and the power went again, and it came on really quick, and I thought, well, I'll, it won't happen again, because, I mean, how do, you, how do you get more than two power cuts in a day? Impossible. You don't, you know. It's basically impossible. I turned the, so, so then I put my running clothes, because I just wet the floor completely, stepped out of the shower twice at that point. So I put my running clothes where they go, in the little waiting place and the, and the little miners flashlights, the headband thing with them and put my phone to charge here because I was like down to 12% or something. And I think the phone was still working at that point. So I don't think the, I think, you know, they must have backup. They must have backup for the mobile, but I think because the power was out for like two hours, then the backup failed at some point. You see. And then the messages just weren't getting through. Do you know the really annoying notifications you get of all your apps? Like, I normally get about 72 notifications if I don't swipe them every hour. Yeah. And they stopped coming. So that was, I knew it was, I knew the whole network was down because one thing your mobile phone will send you is those really annoying fucking news and app notifications and they just weren't coming through. So, so yeah.
So there you go, Richard. But no, it's all crumbling before us. No news as, as to the cause. Then you haven't heard your electricity provider. Well, I, I, I could go on to the local, the local Saint Anne's sort of Facebook groups. Do you have a special group? Is it invite only for the residents? Well, some are private, but there are two that are public. Ah. Like like in any area. Right. Did you have one in Manchester? I don't I guess you don't have them in Manchester, do you? It's not quite that kind of community pool, no. There's only ten thousand people live in Manchester, isn't They're there? not we're not uh, net curtain twitches here, Paul, that's the thing. Here he goes. <laughs> here he goes. People living in factory hovels claiming they're better than other people. <laughs> because their ancestors couldn't compete for for land. They had to be shoved off there. <laughs> working sweatshops. Don't start lording over me. So, what's I saying? I, still, I, you were, I don't subscribe to any views by moving here, actually. You were going... You were going He's going to paint me with some sort of... I don't know what you're trying to do here. It's quite evil, whatever you're trying you, to do. You were going to look at the Facebook group to see what the local residents were saying. Yes. The Facebook group, or as I would like to say, unhinged and deranged hate group... <laughs> It's hard to go on there and not come off either wanting to hang yourself or with a very, very negative view of <laughs> a privileged Western humanity, you know, like... Oh, the runner's on the front. Oh, can they, they not pass me two metres? <laughs> I'm a walker and a runner on the front. And you feel yeah. personally attacked, presumably. No, well, I, I, I do see both sides because when I'm walking there, the runners, some of them occasionally, could come past uh, you know, could use the whole, whole pavement to come past. They don't. But typically, as a runner, what you do get is either four pensioners just taking the entire pavement, and they can. It, it's a front, you know. They can literally see you from six hundred yards away mm. as they're walking up towards you uh, with their little poodles or the little Scotch terriers or the little Yorkshire terriers. Four of them, yeah, you know, yeah. and they just do not move. Or the other one is. The day visitors in their camper vans or cars, and they will see you coming and decide to open the car door, pull their children out, who notice spilled balls, get the car, on the, get the dog on the lead. So they're on one side of the pavement, the dog's on the other, and the lead's right across the middle of the pavement. You know, whilst you're a hundred yards away, and they can literally see, and they just just decide to do that as you're running along the pavement. I mean, a pavement there is an implicit, you know, it's an explicit. Statement that it's for moving along, and there's a, there's a direction. You know, it's not a square; it's a very very thin oblong. Yeah, although there are no rules of the pavement, it's obvious that you shouldn't impede or obstruct somebody who's already moving along it for you to enter onto the pavement for your fat stupid car or camper van, isn't it? It's, that's obvious. It's just plain basic manners, and so you just get these people doing it all the time. And I would say the number of times when I'm walking that runners annoy me is a lot less than the number of times I'm running where just people are just really inconsiderate. Oh, but that's because so. your speed, isn't it? Because you... The, ah, number of annoying- the other thing is, oh. the other thing is, oh, and these runners, they're going so fast and they come past me uh, on the thing paths uh, where there's less than two metres. Well, yeah, that's the rule. It's two metres where possible or as much as possible otherwise, you know. And uh, the number of times I've had to step onto the road and really hurt myself, stepping off the curb or there's cars coming along, uh, the number of times I've done pedestrians is ridiculous. But they complain about us coming past when it's narrow 
I mean, what we're supposed to do, walk past them? How is that any safer? It's not safer. Can you it's a longer loiter. Exactly. So, yeah. are they, so what, do the, what do the pedestrians do when they walk past each other? Although, you're probably exhaling heavily, aren't you, with moist air as you run. True. You, you're wearing a mask, though, aren't you? No. Ah. That's very dangerous to run in a mask. What? Yeah. Uh, three boys in Beijing died, didn't they? Three boys in Beijing died... Yeah, that, because the teachers forced them to do it in, you know, sports, sport, their sports class in, in, in masks. Talk me through the manner of the death. How does death occur exercising in a mask? Provokes asthma attacks, maybe, or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. That's highly believable, yeah. yeah. Hey, look, I'm just telling you what happened. Since then, they've said, look, you, you could, you could, you could exercise without a mask on. Somewhere in China, three boys died and the authorities you have to are Google saying it, Richard. that it's because of the mask and you're just believing that. No, I think they said that the, they had underlying conditions to do with respiratory problems and obviously you can't get air through a mask, can you? I mean, you, you can't get as much air as you like through a mask. Don't even warm one when you're running, Richard, ever, but well, if there's a good seal on them, you're kind of limited to about a litre instead of two or three litres, aren't you? Surely if you were feeling short of breath, you would take the mask. You'd run slowly. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. Yeah, or stop, or stop exercising. Yeah. You would alleviate well, it. Well, no, just run more slowly. You, I think you, wouldn't, you wouldn't run yourself until you passed out and then die. Ah, you've never been in a Chinese sports class, have you? No. no. Ah, well, there you go. Another advice. But anyway, so all of which is to say... What are we talking about? Oh, yes, I don't often like to go on those sites. There's another one where I went on the St. Anne's one and they were posting jokes. One was a man, a rather fat man, a middle-aged man in a leotard. So, you know, he had a very tight bikini leotard on. His belly was sort of protruding. Yes. They were just laughing, essentially. I guess transsexualism, middle-aged transsexualism, really. It was lovely. Hmm. Yeah, so... Not too pleasant. But not as bad as my hometown local pages, which are just terrifying. What do they have? More of the same. Oh, but... It's just it's just a cesspit of hate, really. For whom? Everybody is everybody's just arguing with everybody. It's just rage filled, you know what I mean? Just I mean, if you're in a good mood, it's quite funny to go rubberneck. Just how the arguments just start from nothing. No. It can be something like some of the posts. Oh, there's fly tipping in my back. There's fly tipping in my back in in the back alley. Oh, this is terrible. Now you could you could say you could say to yourself, "Oh, stop moaning or go and move it yourself." But it's fly tipping. I mean, it's a fair complaint, you know. But no, oh my gosh, you know, why don't you fuck off this site, you busybody? You know, do you think better with your life? Then the other people wade in to defend them, you know, and then it just boom, it just starts like a nuclear reaction. It's about fly tipping or oh you know, those things that kids the the, the helium is it like helium capsule it's nitrous, or something isn't it nitrous oxide if they, if they discover something in the park you know then boom another one you know oh. or or CCTV of somebody driving a scooter really fast down the road boom there we go I, I think it's their hobby you know what I mean they just like to argue on Facebook but if you're in a bad mood it, if I'm in a bad mood it really does affect me you know like. That's the thing about fly tipping, ugly. it's a serious crime and there are heavy, heavy fines for it. But, I mean, you've got, to, please follow it up. you've got to give the due to the people doing it because tipping a flyover is re- really hard. It's not like a cow, is it? It's, it's not like cow tipping, is it? They've no, got six um, legs and everything. 
You need a VR. Particularly these days. If you had a VR headset, Paul, you'd be able to pack a great, care. A great deal of entertainment and work stuff into into a suitcase. Well, you can do with a laptop, Rich. This is the point, you know. Any decent art that I want to appreciate can be it, it's digitally rendered these yeah, days. But imagine being able to put on a VR headset and experience it. Think of that. Or imagine I'm in a bigger house than I am. You don't. This is it. You don't need a big house with a VR headset. You put it you on, then you're in a huge yeah. space of any size you want. The digital economy is a different economy to the world economy, isn't it? It's it amazing, is. really. Yeah. It's amazing what revolution is going to happen over the next 20 years, I think. Just astonishing. Once we don't need cars anymore, once people realise that Zoom meetings are more fun than work meetings, uh, I think people have realised that now. Oh, Zoom fatigue, it's bullshit. I know. People aren't Zoom fatigued. Your pussy is people a revelation. People have a better time. You know, people aren't Zoom fatigued. Go back to the office if you don't Zoom fatigue. Nobody is doing. You're just lying. You're just making it up for your, for your, for your op-eds. No, the Nobody reason, is Zoom fatigued. The reason people nonsense. say that They're just tired of work. Pe- work makes you tired. No, they're sick of being at home with the kids, aren't they? And probably the wife. Yes. Or, or the husband. Or the Definitely. Husband and the wife. They're not sick of the Zoom meetings. They just take it out of the Zoom meeting, you know. Are you so, protecting yeah. your investment in Zoom at the moment? Is that why you're saying this? <laughs> no, but I seriously think... The, the new digital economy, I don't mean the digital economy as it was meant 20 years ago. What I mean is, what did William Gibson call it? Cyberspace. Cyberspace. That's such an old, out, that's an outdated term, isn't it? I mean, he wrote, well, he wrote cyberpunk on a typewriter, didn't he? Or whatever. Let's call it cyberspace. You know, it, it's a new space. It's a new economy. And it's just a new world, isn't it? Entirely. I think we finally, I think popular sentiment has realized this this year because from, you know, WFH and Zoom and all this kind of stuff, people have realised, okay, it's not, Zoom meetings aren't pleasant, but their meetings aren't pleasant. I think if people compare it that way, they realise actually Zoom meetings are better than real meetings. I can't sit through a 60-minute meeting at work. I always fall asleep. This is coming from you, your team there. chairman, rather than team Jackie Weaver, aren't you? As we think we've been over this. No, I'm not. I, I, I resent that. I resent your assumption. <laughs> I'm not team chairman. Like, okay, if I say that there's little due proximity or foreseeableness in Donald Trump encouraging protesters that later became rioters, it doesn't mean I support Donald Trump, Richard. Oh, you think he he should have been acquitted for his impeachment? I don't think he should have been acquitted, but on the charges brought against him that he he intentionally, before they started rioting, incited a riot... I don't think that's technically accurate to uh, a level of what we call reasonable reasonable doubt, which is 5% doubt. I think it's 60%. I'm 60% sure that's what he knew what he was doing, but I'm not, I, I'm not certain enough. If it was a court of law, it's not. It's the, it's, it's, a house, it's, a, it's, it's, the, it's Congress. But if it was a court of law, I'm not sure if I was on the jury, I could go to convict him. I agreed, that. but it's different from a criminal offence. True, true. It's a true. different standard you're holding him to. It's not an ordinary citizen. You're not saying, did he commit a crime by inciting a crowd to violence? Well, he didn't obviously do that, yeah. But he's a president. The question is, should this kind of person be allowed to be in charge of the free world? Not, should he go to jail? To comp- uh, is that a constitutional issue or a voter issue? Mm. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Anyway, 
before I head off into libertarian libertarian road and you start calling me a Tea Party right wing idiot. Just remember, I just want to point because I feel we're heading in that direction. But let's just point out: Trump had been preparing the idea that the election was going to be stolen months and months and months before the election. Yes, that's got to be. That's got to show premeditation of that of that whole thing. What what did he expect to happen? And when he stands in front of the crowd well, after we, the election has been called <laughs> and says, we've got to fight, what does he expect to happen? What possible course of action did they have at that point? Look, let's just stop here. I mean, the election was his. The election simply was his before COVID happened, yeah? And then even when COVID happened, actually, he did quite well with his stimulus checks. Actually, the economy did all right. The election was still his. It was a dead cert. I mean, come on, he's, play, he's playing against Sleepy Joe. <laughs> all he had to do was, when riots happened, was, you know, sorry, when protests happened and riots happened off the back of them, was to send in assistance to calm everybody down. That's all he had to do. And he refused to do that. And I don't know why he refused to do that. I mean, I think, did he want to lose? Was it, is there something weird psychologically going on here where he, he kind of wants to provoke people and wants to lose and then wanted to claim the election was stolen? Well, he's a provocateur. I don't know. Yeah. Was it a provocateur just gone without a game plan? Just, just gone completely crazy? But is there an upper limit, do you think? Is there an upper limit... On how many cute things a dog can do. <laughs> this is the other thing about Facebook this year is, you know, the usual cats, dogs video, is how many dog videos I've watched. Well, what is the cutest thing you've seen a dog do? The, well, the, I saw one two days ago, it was really cute. The dog, it was in snow, it came running up to greet its master yeah. on the snow, jumped on the porch... American big, you know, a big 20-foot-wide wooden raised porch. Jumped up on the porch, and the porch was ice. slid straight so it up. slid across the porch. No, and then got its head stuck in the railings <laughs> on the other side, and then kind of got through them. I was like, what happened there, you know? And that was really cute. But is there an infinite number of cute things dogs can do? Dogs can do, Or do you think it's actually limited? Is it like two or 3,000? Are we going to reach a limit where there are no new dog videos? Soon. And AI will be able to generate amusing dog videos for us without the intervention of any dog. What's the cutest dog video you've seen? I don't know. They're pretty stupid, aren't they? Ah. Uh, dogs. Well, you don't like dog videos? They're... I mean, I probably prefer cat. Not even in lockdown? I prefer cat videos. Okay, what's the, cute... what's the cutest cat video you've seen? I saw one today where there's a, a Roomba. You'll like this story. It's about a Roomba. There's a Roomba and, a, and there's a cat lying down and there's another cat going up to communicate with the lying down cat. And the Roomba is on like a collision course for the lying down cat. And the standing up cat like sees it out of the corner of its eye. And it just puts its one of its paws out, like its back paw. And it just like turns the Roomba Stops around the Roomba. so that it drives in another direction. Like really nonchalant. That is really yeah, cute. Very cute. I think potentially there isn't an upper limit on what the cute things cats can do. No. Because cats doing anything by, by their nature... If it's out of what if it's if it isn't fully catty in its cattiness, it's quite cute, isn't it? Like being a lawyer. We're, I am yeah. live. I'm not a cat. <laughs> Whereas dogs have to actually do something comical. Yeah, they have to try a bit um, harder. Yeah. 
I think there's only so many combinations of paws, snouts, and tails, and objects that dogs can be funny with. Tell you what. I think there's only about 3,000 funny dog videos. I think we're already recycled. Dogs are the Seinfeld of the animal world. They're, they're American funny, but they're not funny funny. American funny. I'll take that with me. But yours, I mean, the problem is with all these kind of intercom things is, I was living in one about uh, apartment about 10 years ago, is that they kind of invest in emergent video technologies of the time. And then three years later, it's just so naff that people, then they just stop maintaining it. And one day they just switch it off kind of thing, you know, so... But what they call the doorbells from Amazon? Are they called Ring? I don't, I don't know whether they're the Amazon ones, but they're the popular ones of Ring doorbells, yeah. Yeah, yeah they've got a camera. You know. And you can speak back through them, yeah. So when you're away from home, someone comes to your door, you can go, uh, hi, yeah, it's not convenient now. Yeah, please don't rob me. I'm really in. Yeah, please don't rob me. <laughs> <laughs> and they're very easily hacked, aren't they? Well, this is an Internet of Things problem, isn't it? Probably are. But probably not if you upgrade your firmware to the latest version, Paul. What they are probably doing, though, is tracking oh, everything, tracking your movement. Like your Roombas, like the expensive Roomba that you want that knows when you're in which room at all times. Makes it very easy to uh, track your movements. Really? Oh, yeah. This is it. I mean, people don't want a national ID card, and yet they're posting on Facebook about this. I, I never get this. <laughs> the... The kind of stubborn principled opposition to national ID cards. Yes, technically, you know, it is an invasion of privacy by government. But at the same time, these huge multinationals have a function that is approaching that of government. And yet you're just sharing all your information with them to a much, much greater degree than having a number to your, to your name. So if... We could only have a national ID card in the UK. I would be so happy. I can, I can sense that you don't agree with me. But. Uh, I'm quite agnostic about an ID card. I think you're probably right. Really? Oh, okay. But again, again, when you're dealing with an essential contradiction, aren't you, at the heart of British society, which is exactly the same kind of people who said that they didn't want immigrants coming in and that's why we should close the borders and vote for Brexit and get out so that no one could come over here and possibly claim our benefits or something. Are the same people who insist that the British people will never have an ID card. It's the, it's the same damn people. Yes. But, and yet an ID it card is the, is the only people. way to solve that problem. The only way to solve that problem. Well, because i am just come back to the country, I'm noticing now that not having a national ID card system makes things a lot more expensive for everybody. I've, I've got to start now with an NHS number. Which nobody knows. Registering, nobody knows. For, registering for services in this new property, which I've just bought, has been virtually impossible from the rented accommodation that I had because everything in the UK is about last utility bill. What is the power of a utility? I don't get this. What the hell does a utility bill? What? Why? Like, it's just... Uh, what is this about identifying yourself with a utility <laughs> bill? It is beyond crazy. Look, I rented a car the other the other I rented a car the other month. Uh and obviously in either country, passport, national ID card. 
I think that's more than enough. Driving license, hellfire, you know, three photo IDs. I think we can rent the car. In England, no. No, they needed. Like, I presented my passport. I presented uh, my driving license. Uh, and I also presented a PDF of a recent bank statement with my address. Was this enough? No, this wasn't enough. They needed. They needed a utility bill uh, before I could rent a car. I, I, I just... Madness. It's proof of address. It's proof of address. But what if you were renting a car to live in because you didn't have a home? What then, eh? Exactly. The doctor is called John McCade. Yeah. McCabe? Yeah. yeah. And he's played by David Mitchell. Amazingly, because <laughs> I thought David Mitchell was in the peep show. No, he's not. <laughs> he is. He's called, da- he's called David Warbeck. It's very early on. The, the actor's really? called David Warbeck. Oh. I'm sorry. Well, it'd be nice if it was Don't worry, we'll cut, we'll cut that whole section out. Don't <laughs> worry, no one will look stupid. Thank you.